Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we go to Cameroon to get the latest on the preparations for the delayed 2021 Africa Cup of Nations, which is now less than six months away. We hear that despite rumours that the tournament might be moved away from Cameroon, CAF has this week insisted that Cameroon remain the hosts. I will repeat it for the last time. AFCON will be organised in this country in January. That's coming shortly. Also, we catch up on Euro 2020 as Ronaldo shines again, and we look at the concerning scenes of Christian Eriksen's collapse on the field. But first, a quick word on Algeria, the African champions who set an African record last weekend for the longest unbeaten run for a national team. They went over Tunisia in a friendly match, made it 27 games unbeaten. Uh, so great going there for Algeria. Well, now it's less than six months then to the delayed 2021 Africa Cup of Nations finals in Cameroon. We'll catch up on the preparation shortly. But first, the final qualifying place was eventually decided this week after a delayed match where Sierra Leone beat Benin to qualify for the first time since 1996. So congratulations to our listeners in Sierra Leone. This was a really tense and controversial match that took months to be played, Ida. Steve, this match experienced every sort of delay and obstacle possible. And I really want to get into some of these issues a bit more, but allow me to first talk about the match. So, yes, it finally happened. And Steve, you know what? For all the drama that preceded the game... Action on the pitch actually just didn't match up, you know. <laughs> uh, all that Sierra Leone needed was a first-half penalty that was converted by Kay Kamara. And look, that proved to be the difference. Now, Sierra Leone qualified for their first African in quarter a century, Steve, as you've put it, by goal difference alone. This is because they were actually tied on points with Benin by the end of that group stage. So let's get into it, right? So this fixture first faced many COVID situations. I mean, it was postponed twice due to COVID issues. And when the stadium check was done by CAF, it showed that several stadiums in the continent were incapable of hosting either continental or international matches. And you know what? Sierra Leone's Siaka Stevens Stadium in Freetown, Steve, was one of them. So that's how the qualifier ended up being played in Conakry, Guinea. So about the COVID issue, Steve, it seems that in the last year or so, host countries have allegedly been weaponizing COVID to put their opponents at a disadvantage. Now, the postponed game was supposed to be played on Monday, but then it was pushed to Tuesday after Sierra Leone were informed that six of their players had returned positive results. Now, naturally, the team did contest this, saying that, look, that they had returned negative tests right before traveling. And of course, that falls within the accurate window. And these results were supposedly also confirmed by CAF. 
Now, Steve, you look at this and you realize that this is a replica of exactly what happened back in March when the game was originally meant to be played. And we saw this happen a lot, frankly, during the AFCON qualifiers. And I think that CAF should now be thinking of solutions instead of just letting this go on and on. I mean, should CAF perhaps identify and partner with private testing centers in each country to maybe standardize the testing. Because, Steve, yes, the African qualifiers are done, but we do have the World Cup qualifiers next. Yes, it's hugely controversial, this COVID testing, and a possible solution that you're suggesting there, Ida. So the Africa Cup of Nations finals are getting closer. This week, the Confederation of African Football set up an office in Yaoundé in Cameroon to work closely with the local organising committee. This came a couple of weeks after rumours were going around that the tournament would be taken away from Cameroon. Remember, Cameroon was supposed to host the 2019 Nations Cup, but it was moved to Egypt after CAF felt that Cameroon were not ready. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's and GAN gave us this update from Yaoundé on the preparations. The past weeks were laced with a flurry of emotions sparked by rumours that Cameroon's hosting rights for the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations were in a limbo. The genesis of these concerns were triggered by the postponing of the draw ceremony of the Continental Bonanza that was initially slated for June 25 in Yaoundé. Despite the Confederation of African Football stating in its three-sentence release that the decision was down to logistical reasons, it wasn't enough to contend the angst of Cameroonian football diehards. Memories from 2018, when the country's hosting rights were shifted from 2019 to 2021, are still very fresh in the minds of many, and CAF's move saw these fears resurface. Concerns were voiced by fans, with a group of persons pointing a finger to ongoing works in some facilities as the main reason for this postponement. With pressure rife, Cameroon's sports minister and head of the tournament's local organizing committee, Narcisse Mwele Kombi, had to stress that the country had surpassed CAF expectations in some areas. Concerning sports facilities, our country, eight competition stadia instead of six and 27 training grounds instead of 18 required by CAF. It is important to indicate that five stadiums have been approved by FIFA for the holding of the Qatar 2022 qualification matches. Yet these fears remained especially as the Olembe Sports Complex, a 60,000-seat facility in Yaoundé that was expected to be completed in 2018, is still under construction. The stadium has been earmarked to host the opening and closing ceremonies of the continent's second 2014 Afghan. An official of the construction firm, Johan Rupital, stated that while works are ongoing, the facility is almost set for action. The work is really going fast now. The biggest job that we have is outside the stadium. We are now building a huge water tank to supply the stadium. This infrastructure was planned to be done in two months, but now we have speed up all the operation. It will be done after one month. Regarding the stadium itself, the playing field is done since long time. For the lights, the lighting level is respecting the FIFA and CAF standards. For the work that has to be done in other 
water levels. The most important now is to supply water inside the building and this is planned to be done after three weeks. We will respect the delivery in November. The sojourning of a group of football experts in Cameroon, led by CAF's Secretary General, Veron Mosengo Omba, was thus highly awaited, cognizant of the persistent allegations on an eventual change of host for the 2021 Afghan, Veron Mosengo Omba was quick to make things clear. We have a very fruitful meeting with Sport Minister regarding all the work here in uh, Cameroon for the CAF. CAF President, Mr. Dr. Motep, and his executive, they are satisfied in the way that the job is doing here in order to deliver the best ever AFCON in this continent. The job is well, but of course, nobody is perfect. They have something that we have just adjusted. But in general, everything is very, very well. I will repeat it for the last time. AFCON will be organized in this country in January. Please don't ask me again for this question. This is clear. The CAF expert also stated that the successes from the 2016 Women's Africa Cup of Nations and the 2020 African Nations Football Championship played earlier this year a foretelling of greater feats. I was in charge of member association FIFA. I was in charge of 211 member associations. You can imagine the network that through my job we had in my division. Some of them, they watched Chan. Some of them in the Caribbean, some of them say, this is stadium in Africa. You can see the smiling enthusiasm of these people on this, uh, this competition Afcon. This is one of the elements. If you see even the foreign journalists, we came to watch some games here. They were satisfied. It was not very long said that. When you see this, and you see the quality of the facilities, but they are world class. This is the ingredient to say that that will be the fantastic competition. And for this, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied also in the commitment of the government here. We are doing a great job and we're going in a good direction. Cameroon currently possesses 35 stadiums and training facilities, with five approved by CAF to receive international games. According to the president of Cameroon's Football Federation, Seydou Mbombonjoya, who is also CAF's fourth vice president, other African football associations are keen on staging some of their international games in the Central African nation. Some African associations, they want to see how we have done to succeed to organize a very good competition as uh, the Shan. The question of the competition is going to be cancelled. It's a dream. It's past. We have to move on and organize the competition. I mean, these facilities, they belong also to CAF. It's like our property. These facilities are not only for Cameroonians, it's for all Africa uh, youth and also for CAF. We're going to have many matches organized here. You know, uh, CAF have suspended some stadiums. And my colleagues are calling me. He said, you have too much stadium. Where can we organize this? Uh, in Douala, in Limbe? I said, you're welcome. The football official is even nursing bigger ambitions for the future. Why can we be more ambitious than that? Because all these facilities are the family of the football, world football. Also FIFA can decide to come and organize a World Cup here. Junior, or under 20, under 15, it's possible. So now we have to be proud of it. The 2021 AFCON is in the horizon, with the most imminent manifestation of this continental jamboree being the draw ceremony slated for Yaoundé within the first 15 days of August. Well, that report from Planet Sport Football Africa's and GAN in Yaoundé. So it looks like things are moving well, Ida. 
I mean, Steve, I think inaugurating an office in Yaoundé should go some way, at least, in forming confidence within the LOC as well as the fans. Though, <laughs> frankly, we have seen stranger things happen within the continental body. But, you know, many who attended the Chan actually gave a huge thumbs up to Cameroon for its hosting of the tournament. And, of course, as we know, that was to be a curtain raiser for the big one, you know, the Nations Cup, that we'll see the country hosts 24 teams in 2022. And as you've said, Steve, that this is indeed a second chance for Cameroon after being stripped of the rights for the 2019 edition with that going to Egypt. So, look, one would hope that they have since gotten their act together because it is reported that five of the country's 10 regions uh, now have stadia and training facilities that can meet Afghan standards. And goes without saying that this, of course, translates to other parts of development as well. We're talking roads, hospitals, accommodation, and other types of infrastructure. And Steve, I am sure that the Cameroonian people, at least those who will remember, will hope that this can also translate into success in other frontiers as well. You know, uh, when they last hosted the Nations Cup, that was back in 1972, Cameroonian clubs actually went on to dominate the continental football scene afterwards, Steve, because we had Cameroon clubs win the CAF Champions League in 1978, 79 and 1980 as well. Yes, we'll see if it does start a successful era for the Cameroonian clubs. So Cameroon will definitely host the Nations Cup, as we heard there from the CAF Secretary General. But we often have these rumours of the Nations Cup hosts being stripped of the tournament and the tournament being moved away to another country. And, well, sometimes it is true, but it seems to make the hosts feel a bit uneasy. Well, sometimes it's just based off football politics. And as you've said, Steve, just wanting to destabilise the hosts somewhat, at least. And for a country like Cameroon, which, as we've said, was already stripped of the rights the first time, well, such rumours must have been like opening old wounds, you know, because the rumour mill was rife already, offering alternatives, you know, in the form of several North African countries as alternative hosts. And I think this is why CAF have gone some way, you know, to try and restore confidence back in Cameroon. But absolutely, these stories are a dime a dozen in continental football, hence why it's so easy for some to believe them. I mean, not too long ago, in 2018, for example, an unprepared Kenya was stripped of the hosting rights for the Chan that then went on to Morocco. So these realities are definitely there, Steve. Yes, it seems to be part of African football, these rumours. But as we heard earlier, CAF saying there's no doubt that Cameroon will host the Nations Cup in January and February next year, and the draw will take place in the first two weeks of August. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, Stuart on Euro 2020, as Ronaldo shines in Portugal's opening game. You can follow us on Twitter at PlanetSportFA and our website is PlanetSport.TV and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. 
Right to social media now. Last week we asked, "How good is your favourite local club on social media?" Last week we looked at the latest list of the digital top twenty of African football.、Uh, North African clubs are dominating, with Al Ahly of Egypt at number one, with thirty-three million followers across all social media platforms. So last week we asked, when it comes to your favourite club in your country, how good are they on social media, and where do they need to improve? With your comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Thanks, Steve. And we start today on WhatsApp with Saja B Conte in the Gambia, who says, "In my country, the Gambia, my team, Fortune FC, are the current league leaders. On social media, we are very popular because almost ninety thousand fans follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and YouTube, and we are one of the best supported clubs on social media in the Gambia National League Division One." And here's a voice note from Oms K Baji, also in the Gambia, who shares his thoughts about top-flight club Real de Bajol and their second-tier side Samga FC. Real de Bajol are topping the chart in terms of social media engagement, and of course, in the second tier you have、um, Samga、um, Football Club. That are also leading the chart in terms of social media engagement.、Um, the clubs in the Gambia, more specifically, they are not well structured.、Uh, the structures are there, but the human resources are not there. So I think that part of it need to be improved、um, in all aspects as far as、um, social media engagement is concerned. And here's another voice note from Mohammed in Sierra Leone, whose club does have the resources and, as a result, enjoys a high level of social media engagement. Yes, I have a local football club I am supporting in my country, Sierra Leone, and that local football club is called FC Cologne. They are very active in the social media. They have a club website, and they have a fan page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and they have huge followings. But at the end of the day, it has to do with the level of our football in Sierra Leone, of our local league, you know. Our league is amateur league, so because of that, it is not easy for my club to easily outshine big clubs in Africa. But in Malawi, Francisco Dodoma paints a very different picture. Francisco supports Mighty Wanderers FC in Blantyre. My local club, Wanderers, is just like many local big teams, says Francisco. It has a significant number of followers. However, technology in Malawi is not as widely used as in other countries, particularly in the remote areas, and so we have only limited followers on social media platforms among masses. And also in Malawi, Bizwek Njakwa agrees. My favorite club is Nyasa Big Bullets. But I'm sorry to say they don't have a huge social media following, despite having one of best supported clubs in my country. To be counted on African football social media, my club needs to improve in e-marketing by having a good Facebook page with its history in CAF and other leagues, and a well-developed website where its history could be written. With that, it may attract the attention of people who turn into followers, says Bizwick. And here's another voice note. This time from Mono John in Zambia. I support、uh, Power Dynamos Football Club in Zambia. I can say not many followers on Facebook, and、uh, the club is not very active social media wise. Social media should be a basis on which clubs can use to interact with the fans and commercialize the club. 
So John, saying that the situation with his club, Power Dynamos in Zambia, is similar to that of clubs we heard about in Malawi, where much more needs to be done with social media. And finally, Baiton Muchiko in Malawi sent a voice note explaining that he can understand how clubs like Aakli and other North African clubs are among the most popular on social media across the continent. Uh, it's no wonder that they are on those positions because first uh, you can also see that those clubs regularly participate in a CAF tournament. So a club of that caliber participating at that higher level can have a lot of fans across the continent and even abroad. So that is not very, very strange to me. So Byton saying there that success in the big calf club competitions attracts interest from fans on social media, both from across the continent and even abroad. So then, Steve, it would seem that there's plenty of scope for more work to be done on social media by clubs right across the continent, both to increase engagement with their fans and to develop much-needed income streams. Yes, it definitely is such an important area. And we had one other voice note last week that we loved as we get into our Euro 2020 with Stuart shortly. Uh, Moses in Nigeria says he enjoyed last week's show and gave us this prediction. Wow, amazing presentation today at Planet Spot. Moses from Nigeria listening on WeFM. I still hold my ground that Italy is going to win this tournament. Trust me. Well done, guys. Oh, well, thanks very much, uh, Moses. Thanks for your kind comments. And we'll see if uh, Italy will indeed go all the way at Euro 2020. Let's go to Stuart Weir in the UK now, our European football expert. Uh, so France, Portugal and Belgium all made good starts at the delayed Euro 2020. And uh, Stuart, Cristiano Ronaldo is looking fired up as Portugal defend their title. Yes, in fact, Cristiano Ronaldo made the headlines twice this week. Portugal, the holders, were expected to beat Hungary comfortably, but with six minutes remaining, the score was nil-nil. Then Portugal scored three goals in the remaining minutes, and two of them came from the 36-year-old Ronaldo. That actually made him the top goal scorer in history in the European Championships with 11, and was incredibly his 106th international goal for Portugal. But earlier, Ronaldo had been in a press conference for the European Championship, of which one of the main sponsors is Coca-Cola. Two bottles of Coke were placed in front of Ronaldo, and he moved them aside, picking up a bottle of water and saying loudly, Agua, that means water, and started to drink. We understand that neither UEFA nor Coca-Cola were best pleased, particularly as apparently the Coca-Cola share price dropped following the press conference. Good old Ronaldo. Oh yes, uh, controversial indeed, that was from Ronaldo. Now on social media this week asking, is Ronaldo now ahead of Messi? I was really impressed with his start at Euro 2020 with those two goals in Portugal's opening game, uh, becoming the highest all-time scorer in the history of the Euros, and certainly his desire to win looks as strong as ever. Also, it's a record fifth tournament appearance at the Euros for Ronaldo. Well, meanwhile, Lionel Messi made a good start at the Copa America, scoring with a free kick in Argentina's opening game. But as the debate continues as to who's the greatest between Ronaldo and Messi, would you say that Ronaldo has now done enough to be rated better than Messi? 
You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Historic Euros already for Ronaldo. Is he now ahead of Messi, would you say? Okay then, Stuart, what are your early impressions at the Euros? After the first series of games, there have been no real shocks. England, France, Belgium, Italy all winning. France beat Germany 1-0 in Germany, and the goal was an own goal. But in reality, France were the better team and had two goals correctly disallowed for offside, but absolutely marginal decisions. There was one extraordinary incident in the game where Germany's Chelsea player, Antonio Rudiger, is alleged to have bitten Paul Pogba. The officials didn't see the incident and Barr didn't intervene. Now, the goal of the tournament so far was scored by Patrick Schick for the Czech Republic against Scotland. Schick noticed that the Scottish goalkeeper was well off his line and scored from the halfway line. One interesting aspect of the tournament has been seeing how it uses Barr. Former Manchester United legend Gary Neville said, the Premier League's use of VAR made me doubt its value, but watching this tournament made me realise that the Premier League has overcomplicated it and misused it. Used correctly, VAR can work without intruding on the game. Let's hope the Premier League will learn from that. Yeah, interesting that. And uh, Stuart, really dramatic and shocking scenes as Denmark's Christian Eriksen collapsed on the pitch last weekend and uh, we feared the worst at one point. And the game against Finland was then finished off later in the evening. But uh, what did you think of this and how it was handled? Well, as you say, during the Denmark-Finland game, Christian Eriksen was running along, no one near him, and he suddenly collapsed. He had suffered a cardiac arrest and was resuscitated by medical staff on the field. Now, there has been great praise for the speed and professionalism of the paramedics, who without question saved his life. At the same time, there has been criticism of UEFA and the TV companies for continuing the live pictures of Ericsson fighting for his life. And also a question to whether UEFA was right to insist that the game was finished immediately afterwards. Now, Eriksson, who was 29 and played over 100 times for his country, helped Inter Milan win Serie A last year for the first time in 10 years. But he's very well known in the UK, having played for Tottenham for seven years. We wish him well in his recovery. And I must say, Steve, it took me back to the horrible incident with Mark Vivian Foy, who suffered that fatal heart attack while playing for Cameron some years ago. But... What this underlined for me was the fragility of human life. One moment, Christian Eriksen is living the dream, playing for his country in a major championship. The next, his life is almost ended. For me, that was just a timely reminder that all human life is in Almighty God's hands. As a Christian, I am thankful that Jesus Christ died and rose again, conquering death and promising all his followers eternal life. Yes, that really did show how fragile life is and how small we are. And a Stuart, away from the Euros, we might have offside being decided by computer. Well, Steve, one of the most frustrating things in modern football is to see a brilliant goal scored, followed by an agonising wit while VAR checks for offside. But now we understand that FIFA is trialling new technology based on Hawkeye, which has been used successfully in other sports, with a view to having offside decisions made by computer. 
The plan is to use 12 cameras which constantly track the movements of players and the ball and feed the data into a computer. The new system will operate half a second behind real time and can alert match officials immediately in the same way as the referee is alerted by goal line technology. The first use of automated offsides looks certain to be at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Arsene Wenger, the FIFA head of global football development, said the assistant referee will have on his watch a red light that tells him when it is offside or not offside. At the moment, on average, we have to wait 70 to 90 seconds and sometimes longer if it's a difficult situation for a decision. It's important because we see so many goal celebrations cancelled after marginal situations. Perluigi Colina, the chairman of the FIFA Referees Committee uh, and the former referee of the 2002 World Cup final, is equally positive. It will spot all offsides, even the smaller ones, that we're not spotting at the moment with our technology. It will be more accurate and we will have more marginal offsides. Well, Steve, my instant reaction is that quicker and more accurate decisions sounds great, but having more of the so-called toenail offside decisions does not. I also wonder about what we used to call a player interfering with play. How will the computer possibly make that call? Yes, so certainly valid concerns there. We'll keep on following this one here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Uh, before we go, a reminder of our question this week on social media. Is Cristiano Ronaldo now ahead of Lionel Messi in this big debate as to who's the greatest between the two? Ronaldo now the highest all-time scorer in the history of the Euros, and he's made a record fifth tournament appearance there too. So is Ronaldo now ahead of Messi? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ash Tikiwa in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production. <laughs>